This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Does this mean it's over? Does this mean he likes me? Are butterflies good? Am I ever gonna meet someone? I'm tired of swiping. Am, Am I, I normal? normal? The powers that be did not take great care telling his love story and trying to do it right. You can keep waiting for the fairy tale or you can get on board with the new rules of relationships. If you've seen me on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, then you know this ain't your mama's love advice. This is Dates and Mates with Damona Hoffman. Hello, lovers. Welcome to another topical episode of Dates and Mates. So the Golden Bachelor premiered a couple weeks ago, and the verdict is in. Audiences, young and mature, are eating it up. I just saw that the Golden Bachelor hits a three-year high for the franchise with cross-platform viewing. So now it's like a lot of TV speak for it's doing very well. <laughs> I think it's amazing because now we are finally seeing a shift towards diversity in the casts of our favorite reality dating shows. People are tired of labels and they're hungry to see love in all of its forms. But, you know, there's still some work to be done in this space. And that is why our word of the week is represent. My yoga teacher and mentor, Rebecca Beninati, always chooses a word of the year. And a few years ago, she chose the word represent. I want to read to you what she sent me about the meaning of this word for her because I, it really resonated for me and I think it will with you too. She said, it is my wish for myself and for everyone to feel strong, clear, honest, and safe to authentically represent who we are. Let the words you say be truthful. Let the actions you take be mindful. And above all, hold less fear about saying what you mean and meaning what you say. Now is the time to speak up, speak out, and represent yourself with great quality. This bold concept may mean that others have to look at themselves. And isn't that the beauty of doing our own work? We can rise together to be the best we can be, not by doing more or saying more, but by consciously choosing how to best show our hearts to each other. Beautiful, right? <laughs> And this is also my wish for everyone listening to this podcast. And it represents, see what I did there? It represents why I wanted to bring you this episode. I also believe as a DEI exec for many years at CBS and NBC that representation matters. And being able to relate in some way to the people we see or hear out in the wide world, it helps us all live a fuller human experience. My guests today, Justine and Natasha, they are the hosts of the Two Black Girls, One Rose podcast, and they're on a mission to uncover what we can learn, if anything, about modern dating, love, and relationships from popular television. Natasha and Justine have recapped all of your favorite shows, including The Bachelor franchise, Love is Blind, Married at First Sight, Perfect Match, Indian Matchmaking, and The Ultimatum, Queer Love. Their podcast was actually named one of the 50 best podcasts to listen to now by Time Magazine. And Natasha and Justine have been featured on ABC and Lifetime and in the Washington Post, the LA Times, and New York Magazine, just to name a few. Please help me welcome in with big smooches, Natasha and Justine from Two Black Girls, One Rose. 
Hey, Demona. Hey. I'm so glad you're here. There's so much happening. <laughs> There's so much happening in reality TV. There's so much happening in the mm-hmm. world of dating that I know you have opinions of. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> so we're going to get into all of it. But what is exciting you about cuffing season this year? Ooh, that's a really good question. This is my season. Most people have seasonal depression in the winter time. This is my season up until New Year's. New Year's is my favorite holiday. Um, and so, and Valentine's Day is a quick second. So I am very, very excited. I get very depressed in the summer. I can't stand it. So I am just very excited for all the apple picking, all of the um, baking. I love to bake and share. And when I think of cuffing season, I think of just love in general. Same with Valentine's Day. It's just love in general. So just like love on who you love, yourself, your friends, your man, whoever. Oh, that's beautiful. I never thought of cuffing season as like the season of love, but you're kind of right. It It is. My holiday is mm. Halloween. That is the oh. Super Bowl of life for me. We get like 3,000 trick-or-treaters in my neighborhood. I'm what? not exaggerating. Oh, wow. 3,000. Oh, you I, I drop some coins <laughs> on candy every year. Plus, I got two wow. kids, so I got to get yeah. them all dressed up. Natasha, what what are you loving about cuffing season right now? Yeah, I'm the opposite of Justine. Summer is my season. Justine is like the autumn spokesperson. I don't know who should pay her, but she <laughs> she be selling some autumn. Starbucks. Starbucks. <laughs> That's probably. the best. The PR woman for autumn. Goddamn. <laughs> um, summer is my season. My husband. Summer is his season. It's so funny. We just got back from New Orleans, where it's like 90 degrees. We're like damn, we're going back. It's going to be cold or the weather's not going to be as warm. We literally, he's obsessed with chat GPT. He like uses it like Google now. We literally wrote into chat GPT. What are good like activities to do to keep the love alive for autumn and winter? Because we were like, how are we going to do this? I'm going to fall into my usual seasonal depression. Um, but I'm looking for, it gave us some good ideas in terms of like cooking and baking together. So fun activities inside, cozy little activities, um, just movie nights on the couch, movies. I'm a huge movie nerd. So that's exciting for me. Game nights with friends. So I'm excited for those like indoor, fun, cozy, festive friends and family time and, um, little cute, warm date nights with my hubby. So, oh, that's cute. People used to come to me for date night ideas, but now they go to ChatGPT. <laughs> I must admit, what I thought you were going to say was the fall TV launch season. And, you know, The Bachelor's always got a season. And this year, The Golden Bachelor. Mm-hmm. Yes. Very mm-hmm. different. Do you feel like this means something about the direction that media and entertainment is heading? I mean, one, it's that traditional television audience is just getting older. Mm, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> or, or does it does it mean something? Like, I've been in the TV world for my whole career, basically. And, yeah, I used to be on the other side as a TV exec and producer and casting director. And now I work on in front of the camera doing this on TV. And so I'm always out here like pitching ideas, developing new TV shows. And I always would hear like, well, I'm just going to be frank. Nobody wants to see a bunch of old people making out on TV. But I think. I'm pretty sure they do. (laughs) I think we we do. We're we're hungry for this. (laughs) It was always devastating to me because I was like, you've got to be wrong because 
look at your audience. Like people want to see themselves mm-hmm. reflected. So yeah. what do you think shifted to be able to open this space for a show like Golden Bachelor? I think uh, we got to innovate. I mean, we're in the world of YouTube. We're in the land of TikTok. We're in the land of Netflix uh, putting out new shows every five seconds. We're in the land of Netflix global, you know, things, sh- shows going huge in Sweden and then they kind of make a a U.S. counterpart and it does really well like we're in that world where content is just you know like spitting out on all platforms and I think ABC and The Bachelor realize like we got to get on the innovation train and as you said the audience is getting older we got to help them feel reflected on screen at least a little bit and they've been talking about doing golden bachelor forever they've been teasing it at us for like three four years um the excitement has always been there people are hungry for watching anybody who looks a little bit different on tv find love we got to innovate you got to give people something different or else someone on tiktok is going to make it we're all going to eat it up anyways you know (laughs) and i i know because i've listen to your podcast. I know what your review is of Golden Bachelor, but just for my audience, if Siskel and Ebert style, Justine, Natasha, is it a thumbs up for you? Thumbs in the middle, thumbs down. I know Siskel and Ebert didn't do the middle thumbs, but you know, we need <laughs> options. For... I would say a definite <laughs> thumbs up for Golden Bachelor. I am very, very excited to see people who don't look, this sounds so awful, but they don't look recycled. I just feel like we see the same people over and over and over, particularly on The Bachelor, over and over and over again. And one of our biggest gripes with The Bachelor, um, if you listen to our, our show in 2021, was how poorly they did the first Black Bachelor. It feels like they made every mistake that you could possibly make. And so now having the Golden Bachelor, we're excited that they're actually doing it correctly. We have some uh, diversity in terms of love story, in terms of race, in terms of we have not women who are plus size, but we have different sized women and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, no, <laughs> not well, let's not go all the way there. Uh, let's not all go that plus size. Body, Everybody yeah, got somebody no. a size eight who's 72. Um, <laughs> And it's just really exciting to see them handle this the way that they're handling it. They're handling it very well with care. Oh, there's so much I want to unpack with that. But when you mentioned the plus size uh, contestants, I it actually made me think, like, could they do a bachelor? Like, I don't know that you want to do a plus size mm-hmm, bachelor, mm-hmm. but like, c- could that really be a thing? Yeah. I feel like Love is Blind, that's kind of my, my, that's my jam. And I feel mm-hmm. like they have more diversity not like i don't feel like their people seem recycled as you say they have more diversity we're not really thriving in the diversity department but it's better they've had more body diversity they've had more ethnic diversity they've had i don't know height diversity not so much age diversity but i wonder if it if the golden bachelor paves the way for more diversity in other kinds of shows. I think other kinds of shows have paved the way for Golden Bachelor. I think they like I in all fairness, right, they were casting for Golden Bachelor at the same time as Love is Blind came out. I remember, like Natasha said, they've been teasing this for years, but I remember them putting this commercial out, but it was during COVID and I can't even imagine how hard it would be 
to film a show even now with older people who are immune compromised during COVID. That probably wasn't possible to do. Um, so uh, if they came out at the same time, maybe we would feel differently. But I think that Love is Blind having their first and only and queen and king of the franchise being interracial couple and be a black woman and a white man, they're kind of paving the way. I don't think Golden Bachelor is like, they might be paving the way for the Bachelor Nation, but not really for reality TV. Okay, so I I definitely see where you're coming from on that. I was also intrigued when you said that they did everything wrong with the first black bachelor. Everyone should go back and listen to that episode from Two Black Girls, One Rose. But in the meantime, I'm curious to know, Natasha, what were some of those things that you think they did wrong? (laughs) (laughs) What did they do right is the question. (laughs) Oh, God. So they gave us Matt James and we never got to know Matt James. He was kind of like a walking figurehead. We knew him as the first black bachelor, but he was never really he was never really allowed to speak on being a black man, being a black man dating, being a black man from the south, being a black man with a white mother not raised by his black father like there were so many conversations that we could have heard from him that he was completely silenced maybe he had those conversations and they edited out but that's the problem they edited out we didn't get to see any of that so you didn't really get to know him at all um not to mention they brought on his father on screen which was extremely uncomfortable and uh just kind of cruel to watch um and them kind of highlighting this stereotype of the absent black father that matt james had not spoken to would seem in in a very long time and we're seeing them have their first conversation on screen that was very icky and felt like invasive we shouldn't have been watching that um and also knowing who's behind the cameras filming it presumably an all-white staff Mm -hmm. like that just feels very unsafe for him as well um and then not to mention who he ended up choosing his final um his final rose at the end uh rachel kirkconnell who had the whole scandal of the pictures of her at a antebellum south party in college like the fact that she was even cast the fact that he even was put in a position to fall in love with this woman knowing what was going to come out about her afterwards was embarrassing for him um, and just kind of embarrassing for the franchise for us to have the after the final rose and the final rose segment that we had. We couldn't really celebrate his love. We had to have this tough discussion about race and white supremacy and just it was just so obvious that the powers that be um, did not take great care um with telling his love story and trying to do it right and do it right by him and by black audiences Mm -hmm. well said um (laughs) and i i would say as someone who also does reality dating shows i i feel that responsibility that you just mentioned in a way that i think because i am a dating coach and one of not that many dating coaches of color and also a biracial dating coach where I'm always kind of in multiple worlds and we can unpack that later. But I I feel that responsibility that you were talking about. And I don't know that I don't know that a lot of reality TV producers feel that same responsibility to the people on the show. You know what I mean? It's like I I know I may be there to tell a story, but ultimately I approach everyone I'm working with, whether it's on Drew or on, on, you know, the Real Housewives, I, I see them 
as a whole person, like I approach it almost like they're my client, even if it's just for that one segment or just for a couple episodes. And how how do I how would I want someone to feel if I want them to be vulnerable, transform, fall in love, and all the things that we need to go through? Um, I'm gonna get off my soapbox with that, but you you just every t- every time y'all speak, I'm like, oh, there's another thing I want to unpack there, because the other thing that I think is missing in just the reality dating landscape, I think, look. TV's in people's homes. It's in people's ears. It's in people's faces. And I think it has a, an opportunity to widen our own lenses from whatever we grew up with. And I feel like there hasn't been really a show that tackled interracial dating or just the nuances of race and dating. I have also tried to pitch shows and people are like, oh, but it's been done. Love is Blind, Lauren and Cameron, you know, paved the way. But did they? Because I feel like everybody just kind of was like, yeah, and Lauren and Cameron like walked off in the sunset and Cameron mentioned, I've dated black girls before and like, this is cool. And everybody's like, we're all cool. Let's move back to, <laughs> let's move back to the South and let's live happily ever after. And to me, there is a lot more story and there is a lot more that, could be brought to the forefront that I think a lot of people need to see, but I don't know if we're just, uh, we're afraid to tackle it or if it's just that people are producing shows with blinders on. I don't know. I, I mean, is that something you want, would want to see explored more? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I agree. I think with Lauren and Cameron, they kind of um, skim the surface and to their credit, the show, they were covering four or five other couples. And season one was nuts. Like, they had so many other, like, high drama couples that Jessica they're like, we, herself. we can't cover. Yeah. <laughs> Just Jessica. Her within, yeah. Exactly. Sure. Her within herself. And we didn't even mention Giannina and Damien. Like, they had so much in that first season um, that, of course, I wanted way more for Lauren and Cameron um, or to see more. It's almost like I needed, you know, the after the altar special Lauren and Cameron, like exclusively, because um, I think there was a lot more to their story, particularly them being in the South. It was interesting. Her coming from um, a background never having dated white men. Um, we met her father, who was very like mm-hmm. high alert, like, who are you? <laughs> we are blackity black, poor pro black over here. Like, what's your situation? Like, there was so much more that we could have unpacked, but I agree that I would love to see love to see a dating show tackle maybe rental racial dating um with more nuance that I've not, to my knowledge, can speak on where I've seen that done well. I don't feel like they Corrected that mistake even with, you know, with Kwame and and Chelsea. Like, they had another (laughs) bite at the apple. Like, I I think we all know why Kwame's mom was not signing off on that. Like, do you know, you know, and then they're just like, and now we're together and we're a happy couple and everything. And I, I know that has not been my experience. And there's a lot of discussion that that happens and there's a lot of getting people outside their comfort zone and getting people to just even accept a partner of another race and and then the two of them working on building a life together it's you know it's yeah. different it's different mm-hmm. and it's just not um i just don't see it 
really being talked about. Yeah, yeah. Okay, this is all fascinating. I have to take a pause for a break, but when we come back, I want to dive a little bit deeper into this conversation around race and dating, taking it away from just the world of TV and into the current landscape of dating and relationships today. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. And we're back. Don't forget to stay to the end of the episode so you get your love lesson of the week. Now, in the meantime, all right, I am back with Natasha and Justine from Two Black Girls, One Rose. We were talking a lot about representation in reality TV from age to race to just feminine archetypes. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on the current state of the date and of relationships. I feel like in relationships, we have an opportunity to do that more than we actually do. And so I have said, what, I don't know why you would, living in America today, where, and in, in most countries that are listening to this podcast right now, we do have freedom and choice to date, which my, my parents didn't really have that much of. My grandparents definitely didn't have any of. And I don't know that that's a bad thing in the way that I feel like sometimes it's it's presented. Like if you're not like always encouraging people to find the people mm. who already get them, who already know their experience, then you're doing a disservice to that that community. Does that make sense? I mean, I agree where yeah, I'm pro, I mean, I feel like aren't we all pro, just pro-love, period. I mean, as you said, like, being in a relationship, I've learned, I've learned the most about myself. I feel like I've gained the most self-awareness in the past almost five years mm. I've been um, with my partner. Um, it's triggered the most self-reflection. And I'm someone who was, I've journaled my whole life, and I've been doing some mean self-reflection in the past years since I've been living with my mirror who was telling me every day you know about myself um and i think you know for some people there's still like that lack of understanding that 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 can come from sometimes the least likely places um and sometimes some people might have it in their head like i know exactly what it's going to look like and who it should come from um but that's doing a disservice to yourself because that learning can be can come from from any from anywhere essentially yeah and there's an assumption too where well if we lean into one label whether it is our race or our religion or our socioeconomic status or college educated or whatever box you're going to check on your dating apps that if we lean into that box that indicates sameness okay if i am with somebody who is also black then i won't have to explain things things will be It'll just be easier. Or if I'm with somebody who is college educated, then that just, and I'm college educated, then then we'll be able to speak the same language. And I think that's a fallacy that 
that we just make a lot of assumptions and maybe it's what we have to do to thin slice the dating pool and get to the people that ultimately are going to provide us mm-hmm. that self-reflection and that experience that we want to have and feel how we want to feel. But I, I think it's it can be a missed opportunity, particularly in dating, when mm-hmm. it's supposed to be our time for discovery, right? What do you think, Justine? Yeah, I definitely agree on that because I my partner is a black man, college educated like me. We worked at the same place. That's where we, where we met. And we could not be more opposite. And personality-wise, habits, daily habits-wise, and the way that we learn from each other daily is an incredible thing. The way that we have touched each other in these kinds of ways is just something really special. And um, I am always disappointed when I hear that people do not want to date, particularly like, oh, I'm done with, let's say I'm a black woman. Oh, I'm done with black men because of X, Y, Z. I don't think you should have that kind of like responsibility put on black men and also that responsibility put on whiteness because I don't think it's going to serve you the way you think it's going to. And I know that when I got to college and I started dating for real, because we went to all girls school, so I wasn't really like out here the way I wanted to be, my boy crazy self. Uh, (laughs) What I was sick of, I was like, oh, I don't want to date any white guys when I get to college. What I was sick of was whiteness, like abusing me through private school, not white men. And I think that's something that people have to kind of differentiate. And I didn't know at 18, but it's something that I had to really come to terms with when I was in the dating pool in New York City and in my 20s and all that stuff. Yeah. And it's also, and not all white yeah. men. All black all men. Or like, all, yeah. I've dated the rainbow. <laughs> and I try to look at, for both myself and my clients, each person you meet as an individual is an individual, it's like a puzzle you've got to solve and whether you have, you perceive some sameness, you're going to encounter some differences and that to me is the exciting part to to get to unravel that within a relationship. So before we go, you're both in relationships, you both watch a lot of TV about dating and relationships. What do you see as the the elements of a successful lasting partnership. Natasha, I'll start with you. I think partnership, like knowing that you have someone um, as a partner through, I mean, literally everything, like just knowing that you're not on your own. um, I think true partnership is having someone who is there to help you with making decisions, there with um, helping you think through something that's weighing on you, um, giving you just different perspective. Um, I think that's kind of the benefit and the thing that we're looking for. We're looking for relationships is knowing that I'm not by myself. I don't have to do everything by myself. I can find a true partner to do this very tough thing called life (laughs) with. Um, And so I think just having a like a true partner. I don't really want to say like having your best friend or anything like that, but having someone who's like truly almost like your wing person, you know, Justine and I have been in business for six years together. We're also best friends. Like she is 
one of my greatest life partners, you know, and having a relationship is similar. Having someone who's there with you to help make decisions, help think about life, help um, get through hard times, help celebrate the good times. Um, that for me is kind of the the pinnacle and what we all are should be looking for. Mm, I love that. And I often say, you know, I don't believe in soulmates. I because I think this I don't believe in a soulmate. I should say that because I think this quest for a soulmate keeps a lot of people from being able to see what's in right in front of them. It keeps a second guessing like, well, I like him, but is he my soulmate? And I feel like we have a lot of soulmates with an S. And what you just described, like yeah. you and Justine are soulmates. You're you work together, you're best friends, you you lift each other up. You similar to your relationship with your husband, you help each other get through the ups and downs of life. And I feel like we need to also just broaden the discussion of love in our lives to include all of the the people that give us love. We put so much pressure on this one person getting the rose and being our everything, right? But there's so much more when you expand. Our heart expands. Like when I had one kid, I was like, how can I love any more than I love right now? And then I have another kid and I'm like, oh, my heart somehow grew. It expanded and now it's big enough to have my whole family, my friends, my clients, you all, everybody's in it. <laughs> Absolutely. Justine, what about all you? I'm going to take something from my mom. This is advice that she gave me and continues to give me quite often. She says that marriage is made up of two forgivers. And I think if I could derive what makes a good partnership from what kills a partnership, it's probably resentment. It's probably some, one of the worst feelings you could have in a partnership. And so forgiveness is really where that um, kind of like essence of friendship and partnership that Natasha is talking about, I think a lot of it lies in being a forgiver. Thank you so much for joining me, Justine and Natasha. You can follow them on Instagram at two black girls, one rose. That's at the number two black girls, the number one rose. And check out their podcast, Two Black Girls, One Rose, wherever you listen to Dates and Mates. All of the links will be in the show notes. And now for your love lesson of the week. I want you to ask yourself, what do you represent? What do you stand for? Who do you align with? One exercise that I give people in my program is to build their connector circle. But before we can even begin to do that, we have to get clear on what we align with so that we can enlist the help of others to expand our circle. Maybe we're not going to be on The Bachelor to do that, but could you enlist the help of others who care about you in your journey to love right now in your present world? And if you can, what will you tell them about who you are, what you're looking for, and what you both are representing. Ask yourself that question this week. You might be surprised where it takes you. And if you want to learn more about my friend and mentor, Rebecca Beninati, and what she represents, you can find her at wellbornlifestyles.com or at wellbornlifestyles on Instagram. What was your favorite part of episode 478 of Dates and Mates? What do you think about The Golden Bachelor? Are you watching Love is Blind? What are you representing? Tell us about it. Help us get the word out by sharing this episode with a friend and maybe even leave us a five-star review. We would love to hear what you are enjoying about this new season. 
We have more Dear Demona episodes coming your way soon. But in the meantime, the DMs are open at Demona Hoffman on Facebook, Instagram, and X. Or you can call me, text me, leave me a voicemail anytime at 424-246-6255. We will be back again next Tuesday with Dr. Victor Frank, who was known as Dr. Ali Benazir when he first appeared on Dates and Mates on season one. Y'all, we're on season 11 now. He was on season one, and now he's back to talk about his new book, The Five Hidden Love Questions, a radical plan to date smarter, own your power, and set yourself free. Until next week, I wish you happy dating.